my gosh, I wonder what we're watching. I have no idea, Destry. What are we watching? <laughs> okay, guys, welcome to the Practical Idealist. I'm Destry. I'm Katie. And as you can probably tell by now, we are watching Halloween. The original, and not one of the sequels. <laughs> or prequels, or whatever they did with these movies. I don't think they ever did a prequel. They didn't? I don't think that that ever happened. What am I thinking of? Texas Chainsaw, probably. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> this is actually the first ever horror movie I ever, ever watched. And that was like, oh, I don't know, six years ago, maybe? Destry found out I had never seen a horror movie and practically demanded and dragged me over to his aunt's house, which we were house-sitting, and we watched a double feature back-to-back -back of Halloween and the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I will never forgive him for making me watch. It didn't scar you too bad. It didn't scar me at all. Not, I didn't have nightmares about the, the meat hook scene or anything. <laughs> but Halloween has Spoiler. remained... <laughs> but Halloween has remained one of the ones that I still think fairly fondly of. We'll, we'll see if that changes now on my, my second viewing. Because um, the new one's coming out in less than a month, maybe slightly more than a month. Yeah, I think it's the 19th of October. Something like that. So I guess we're going to go ahead and uh, give it a go here. Let me press the play button. We'll be hearing enough of that music in the actual movie. Hearing that just reminds me of walking down Main Street at Kings Island Halloween Haunt because they always have that as part of their soundtrack every year. Mm -hmm. So this was an original, this music was an original piece, right? Like you didn't take it from anything? Nope, nope. This is all John Carpenter. Okay. I don't really know too much about this movie, honestly, or about the genre. Horror movies were never really my thing. Welcome to the place that doesn't exist. Is it Hayden or Haddonfield? Haddonfield. Haddonfield. So it's set in 63 and this was made in what, 70 something? Well, 63 is the prologue. Oh, the prologue is 63. Okay. The Jamie Lee Curtis part is uh, present day. Which Pre is quote, present day. It came out in 78, so I think it was filmed in 77. Mm hmm. So 77, 78. Ish. Does this house still exist? Yes. They moved it to a different part of California. Really? Yeah. They moved the entire house. They moved the entire house. And uh, it's a... Yeah, get that girl. It's a realty company. Oh, okay. I think it's it may have changed by now, but it used to be a realty company. Because we all know the slutty girl gets killed. First rule of horror movies. That awful flower couch. It is the 60s. <laughs> Why bother turning the lights on? The old lady who was doing the hand of Michael Myers had to see someone. The old lady? Yeah. Uh. -uh. That is Deborah Hill's hand. <laughs> That's weird. They couldn't pay a uh, actual child actor to actually come down. And hold even... a knife? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so they decided who had the most childish hands, and it was uh, Deborah Hill. So they just came out of the, let's give child actors cocaine to keep them going, and now a child cannot hold a knife in a movie. Would you want a child hopped up on cocaine holding a knife in a movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does that sound like a good idea to you? Yes. That was the quickest sex I have ever seen. Well, ever not seen, I should well, say. Well, he's also a teenager. How long do you think he can keep it going for? Was all of that one shot? Um, most of it. And then they cut. Well, yeah, for the mask. But that was the intention, is that this was supposed to be just one big, long tracking shot. I often, too, sit in front of my mirror naked and brush my hair. Afterglow, baby. The psycho school of stabbing. You don't actually see it go into the flesh. 
Where was he stabbing her? The boobular area? It didn't look yeah, like that. cut right there. Look how iconic her saying his name is. Michael! <laughs> and yes, let's all just stand here and stare at the small child holding the bloody knife for a while. I like her hat. And she comes back in um, the original Halloween too. Really? Yeah, she's in there somewhere. As the same nurse? Yep. Oh, she was already smoking it and now she's lighting it? And she's starting a new one. It wasn't that low. This was the 70s. Low was even... Half of a cigarette? Yeah. I'm serious about that, aren't you? Why did we focus on the book of matches? She used a lighter to light up. I have so many questions about the cigarette lighting scene. Hand. Okay, I'm calling bullshit on that one. A human hand smacked open-palmed against the window. Could not break a car window. Well, it's no less ridiculous than him knowing how to drive a car even though he's been institutionalized for 15 years. Back to heck. Halloween. The only shot they could get without the palm trees. <laughs> That's pretty bad. So after you produce a murderous little child, why do you think it's a good idea to have more children? Well, remember, in this one, she wasn't the sister. I get so confused about which version is which. In the original, she was not the sister. Okay. And that's what they're going with on the new sequel. Okay. That was basically all this shooting was, is filming around palm, palm trees. trees. <laughs> and then some guy's job was picking up all the leaves from each scene and then moving <laughs> them to the next scene. God, look how young she is. Mm -hmm. It's weird. They got a really nice wig for her that matches that in the new one. <laughs> and he was played by Paul Rudd in a later sequel. Really? Yep. Tommy. Yeah, she was convinced that she was going to get fired after her first day of filming. Why? She thought she did so badly. Aww. And then um, she got like a phone call in her hotel room, and it was from John Carpenter's spot, but that was the call. But he actually was calling to tell her how good she was. Aww, that's kind of <laughs> sweet. So, did you know that there is a TV version of the movie that is a little bit longer and has new scenes. What? One of the TV stations, I think it was like TBS or something like that, like Turner Broadcasting, wanted to air it on television to okay. promote the second one, uh -huh. but it wasn't long enough. And back in those days, they didn't have 20-minute commercial breaks. Uh -huh. So while they were filming part two, they went back and made some additional content to insert what? into the movie. That's insane. But the biggest issue with the, the re-edit is that it also inserts the fact that she is his sister. So they just weird out the franchise a little bit. Yeah, so basically they tied it into the second one even when it didn't initially plan to be. Mm -hmm. And um, John Carpenter basically became an alcoholic while writing the second one. Wow. Because he didn't want to do it. That's insane. But they were going to demand a sequel anyway, so he's like, well, I'd better do it because everybody else is going to make it even worse. So if it's going to be bad, at least it'll be my bad. Mm -hmm. But the hardest decision was making uh, her the, the sister. Mm. And was that a demand from the studio too? or yep. Why? That's such a stupid thing to demand. Well, it's not really a demand, it was a thing that was talked about, and they're like, yeah, do that. And he's like, but I don't want to do that. But you said it now, so therefore you have to do it. Leave me alone. 
little bitchy boys get murdered. Okay, just throw it on the ground. Sure, why not? I mean, that's his, uh, facility garb. There's the match that. Oh, the match. Okay, so that so that's why we saw the matches because it went to establish. That's how you know it's the same person. And I think that in the Rob Zombie remake, the name of the thing on the matches was the place that Sherry Moon Zombie's stripper mom worked at. Okay. Totally. Totally. Not in the script, by the way. That totally. was all her. Oh, the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, she came up with that, and that was her character trait. Linda, Wally. <laughs> I'm a slut. <laughs> but I can't say I'm a slut because it's 1978. <laughs> Two more years and it'll be okay. Right. <laughs> and then it will be celebrated. And yeah, we just got the vote here about 20 years ago. Speed so. kills! <laughs> also not in the original script. <laughs> you just sealed your own fate, girl. That's why he strangles her ass in the car. <laughs> They're such bitches. Yeah, this part of the script was written by uh, Deborah Hill. Well, I would expect so. Yeah. And it was almost revolutionary because how dare women sound like women. I was about to say, this, like a man couldn't have written this because <laughs> it actually sounds like something girls would say. So my question is this. How does he know the neighborhood enough to circle back, hide the car, and then stand in the hedges in just because a second? little kids, they wander the neighborhood. I, I mean, guess that's true. Small children, especially back in the olden times, when parents didn't care where their kids went, would just wander the neighborhood on their bikes. I like how she smacked the bush after she said the lie. Oh, you see that? That smoke. Mm -hmm. The one the cameraman was smoking behind the scenes and it came in the shot. Wow. Yeah, or in universe, that was him evaporating into ether. 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 <laughs> and now it's rain. So it has. Maybe it was a sprinkler. No, it was it was a different day. Maybe it was a sprinkler. <laughs> kind of early for trick-or-treating, isn't it? They went around the neighborhood and paid people to take their children out for trick-or-treating. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> I thought to stand in sheets. <laughs> and then disappear into the ether. Ether. <laughs> Oh, and then that hat is going to be in her house in the next movie. That's an odd detail. I thought so, too. Okay, then. But hey, I mean, that's what Who the sequel's supposed to be for. All the little things that, if you catch it, then good for you. I just love all the sinister music for nothing other than just walking down a sidewalk. Atmosphere. All those leaves had to be collected. That's sad. That was somebody's job. In turn, put down your resume leaf collector for Halloween. Sure they did after it became a big deal. Oh yeah. One of the bands that play on her radio during this whole entire sequence is actually John Carpenter. They created a Oh crew band. Yeah. So they'd have extra music. That's awesome. <laughs> Everybody always has like a big problem with the the robbing of the store in daylight scene and I get why they do, but it shows intent. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I stumbled across this and now I'm gonna go kill some bitches. It's, I'm making a plan to go and destroy these people. And it's also, I don't have time to wait.
Like, I'm not going to wait until it gets dark. I want to do this now. Yeah. Right there on that corner, I think, is where the, the uh, house sits now. Oh, okay. I may be mistaken about that, but... Ben Traver. I know it! He's the one that gets killed in the second one. Uh, and you run a car into his dumbass. I never thought that there was any, like, real special reason why he was following them specifically. I think that that was the first person that he saw. The, the first young woman who caught his attention. Yeah. And then he's just like, oh, okay. Works for me! He obviously has some kind of a... Uh, Fixation? Yeah. So the the whole making him the brother, I just thought that was always unnecessary. I didn't think it ruined anything, really, all that badly. It wasn't um, needed, though. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that it just, like, destroys everything, and I'm just like, it's not that bad. It was a poor choice. It's basically all it is. And apparently, that was the house that was used in American Horror Story Cult, and I missed that. Huh. You mean for where the cult, like, the headquarters were? It was the uh, right across the street from um, where Sarah Paulson's character lived. Oh, where the creepy neighbors were? But yeah, that's where Leslie, what's-her-face, and Billy Eichner were living. Mm-hmm. I love how much he underestimates what a human being he is. Mm-hmm. Like, that was what that line was supposed to be. It ended up being just kind of a weird little, like, what the hell. Hungry. Right. <laughs> and he's like, oh... He does need sustenance. He is a being of this world. I just talked with Ben Traver and he got real excited when I told him how attractive you were to is him. This, is this good girl code or is this bad girl code? This is good girl code. And it, okay, I, I, I was this never is, sure. Yeah, this is best friend doing something on your behalf. Fair enough. Yeah. I always thought this was a bit much. He like pulls the plant down and makes like a big smash and she's like, Oh, must have been a cat. <laughs> Yeah, girl. I need a And it's the 70s, so no one wears bras. Of course not. Why did she take off all yeah. of her clothes? <laughs> you spilled that much butter on yourself? Why did she take off all of her clothes? <laughs> oh, that must be a dick and a half. Having your laundry room outside. Uh-huh. Like, it's basically just unusable when it's raining. And in snowing. Illinois, when is it not raining? Or snowing. <laughs> right. You think she's going to hear you halfway across the yard and over the television? When she wasn't even listening to you in the house? Yeah. Annie's butt brought to you by Clorox and Tide. <laughs> this movie is such a slow burn, but it doesn't feel like it. Nope. Like, this has been going almost an hour, yeah? 48 minutes. And But it doesn't feel like it. This entire movie is just a game of love connection with a serial killer. Gotta set up the friends, gotta set up the main person, we gotta set up the children, we gotta... <laughs> the only person that isn't getting set up is Michael Myers, and maybe that's why he's killing people. That, yes, because no one wants to set him up. <laughs> he's like, bitches, I'm right here, and I'm Hello. the <laughs> I just got out of the joint. You know what I just realized? She dies in the next scene. And she never got her clothes out of the washer. <laughs> the greatest tragedy in the movie. Would that be evidence? <laughs> Probably. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That's a new one. I don't think that you can ground a boy that sounds like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. So... Another question. I love the subtlety of this moment where she goes in, door's locked, she has to go get the keys, and then she 
comes back and the door's already unlocked. Mm-hmm. My question still is, how did he unlock the door? He shoved something in the window. I guess. Or he picked the lock. That's the other nice thing about this movie is that none of the deaths are too stupid. They're not easy. Like, I mean, they're preventable. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it so that they made, like, a bad choice. They're just preventable. Everybody fought. But, I mean, you know, she, she should have had the moment of, oh, shit, why is the car open and why is it all fogged up? Mm-hmm. Before she got in the car. And with um, Linda, she should have known something was wrong when the practical joke went on way too long and she had to call somebody. Mm-hmm. So just because they still made dumb decisions doesn't mean that they were dumb in the moment. Right. Just working with the information you have available. Exactly. And once again, is that she could have prevented it if she would have listened to the kid. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a kid. Why would you, yeah? When you're not seeing the same thing that they're seeing, you know? So I just appreciate that this didn't really start the trope of, huh, this is a dark hallway. Maybe I should just walk down it without turning on any lights. Yeah. Like, they're not that stupid. They're just not paying attention. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Like, well, they're making the assumption that bad things are not going to happen, because why would they? And they have it before. So they have no reason to think or expect. Something's going on, some kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. Okay, I have a question. Who's the drug-dealing pusher man in Haddonfield, Illinois? Yeah, that's so many kids have marijuana? Wait, I really actually want to know that. Maybe it's Paul. It's got Paul. <laughs> He's got the hookup. I believe that. That's possible. You never see him. He sounds like a hoodlum. <laughs> he even snuck out of his house. Like a hoodlum would do. Rounded. Like a hoodlum. <laughs> Such a naughty jack-o'-lantern watching him. I know it's turned to <laughs> Like I told you, everything in this movie is very visually appealing to the shot. Which, again, I appreciate that, but it's like, wow. They were really, really trying, weren't they? The thing that's really underrated in this movie, I think, is the lighting. Mm-hmm. Like, shot composition is no, very, yeah. very talked about. And it's I very, love very the nice, lighting. But the lighting is always on point. It all feels very natural. Like, it doesn't feel like anything's being thrown at you. But it's also atmospheric. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, all of the deaths in this entire franchise, this is the most recreated one. Everyone loves this shot. And I get it, like, it's, it's fabulous and it's wonderful, but they've recreated it, like, including this one four times, I think. Because they did it in the Rob Zombie remake. Um, they put a shotgun through a girl in um, part four, I think. So... Yeah, everybody loves the knife through the whatever and pinning, pinning it to somebody. A wall. Yeah, it's effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the most um, interesting kill of all of them, besides the next sequence with like, the with the ghost thing. I like the way he studies him afterward. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Loomis just said that he has no concept of death or yeah. So he's, he's like, huh, interesting. And again, shows intent. He's playing with her. And it's nice to see how he... Like, I'm glad they didn't just cut away directly afterward. They gave it some time to settle. So that you can really take in what just happened. Mm -hmm. It makes the death that much more effective. 
Even though it makes no sense because how could a... Yeah, a oh. knife actually <laughs> hit a human body. Yeah. A grown-ass man. So my thing is, is that that must be very disorienting because obviously he wears the glasses because they have a prescription in them. Mm-hmm. Plus he has holes cut in the sheet to see through. Plus he has the mask on. That's true. So how the hell is he even seeing anything at all? <laughs> he doesn't need to see. See, again, if your gut is telling you to call someone in, you should probably be moving somewhere. Oh, and another thing that I almost forgot again. to tell you is that the mask that they used in this, this one was the same that they used in the second one. Okay. But it was a different guy, so the mask looked different, plus it was worn out from being in this one. Well, yeah. But I don't remember if it's one of those lost movie props, or if it's just... I don't think so. I think that someone still has it. Okay. I'm almost positive. I don't think that that one got misplaced. That feels like something that belongs in the Smithsonian... I know the original Freddy glove got misplaced. That sucks. Almost positive of that, too. I mean, they might. I mean, it's been a while since I've looked into all of this stuff, so different things might have happened in between. But almost positive that that was the one that got taken. I just really appreciate that they didn't feel the necessity to have something happening all the time. Yeah. But the. The Michael Myers thing is like he's still a presence mm-hmm. throughout still... the entire thing, so you feel like something's happening, even though there's nothing actually going on on screen until it does. Oh yeah, it is the the definition of an atmosphere movie, and it, it's so effective. Because I tend to prefer movies like this where you don't see a lot of the gore because it's not it's not effective to me. Like it just it's gross for no reason but for movies like this like it, it makes you unsettled because you don't know what's going on and you can't see what's happening but you just know something bad's coming mm-hmm. but I think a lot of movies think that okay well it's a horror movie so therefore we have to be trying to scare you at every single moment mm-hmm. but being uncomfortable is just as effective I think in a lot oh, of cases yeah. And I think that that's very underrated when it comes to, especially newer horror movies, is that, oh, well, we have to have someone dying or being stalked or we have to have, like, a big elaborate sequence or whatever. But you don't really need that. All you need is just the fact that there's something sinister happening. Meanwhile, everybody's just kind of living their lives. And it has to be driving it, though. Yeah. Did I know that Jamie Lee Curtis was Janet Leigh's daughter? Did you? Because I don't I think... I knew that. <laughs> I, did, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm looking at the IMDb page now. <laughs> it's about that time in the movie where we should... <laughs> yeah. We got a very long walking sequence here for a minute. Yep. Janet Leigh, who was in Psycho. Yeah, Psycho. Mary Crane. As the film was shot out of sequence, John Carpenter created a fear meter so that Jamie Lee Curtis would know what level of terror she should be exhibiting. And you know, it kind of goes by quick, too. Like, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this and it, I don't really feel like I've been sitting here for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, like I said before, it, it does not feel, you, you don't feel the time because it's still, even though not a lot is really happening, you can, it, it keeps you so engaged with your, your fear centers that you're not really paying attention to the time. You're just like, oh my god, what's coming next? <laughs> I still remember watching this for the first time and just being like completely tense the entire time. <laughs> like, what, what new horrors await me? 
And this was the first one we watched. We watched this before we did Texas Chainsaw because he wanted to slowly ease me into the, the hell that was that movie. You should not have shown me Texas Chainsaw. That's one of my favorites. But you shouldn't have shown it to me as a first horror movie. Would you do it differently now? Would you still show me Halloween first? I kind of, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I would still show you both of them. As first? Yeah. Really? Knowing, even knowing me better now? Yeah. I feel like you should have shown me Blair Witch first. Well, Blair Witch is pretty polarizing for a lot of people, so I, I didn't want to be like, oh, here's a thing that's somewhat okay for some people. <laughs> some people really hate. Uh-huh. And I think that probably the most effective thing that um, Jimmy Lee Curtis said about the new one mm -hmm. is, you know, she is a character actress. Definitely. Like, that's how I, I kind of classify her as. And not so much in, like, a, I do weird voices and weird characters, but she's very, very much someone who digs into the backstory and like lives inside of the person that she's portraying little method and one of the things that she has constantly said about the new one which i do really appreciate is that it's something about trauma oh yeah it's about facing the trauma of your past and the thing that i really like that she said was that after all of this she probably just went to school the next day mm -hmm. and that was it like yeah, I heard that same interview where she was saying, like, because there, especially during the time, there was such a lack of care for people, like, PTSD was something that soldiers got, and they just kind of, you hid them away, and you didn't really do anything to deal with, but the fact that a teenage girl who went through something could have after effects wasn't really talked about or thought about at the time, because, well, you just, you move on with life, that's life. Plus, in, like, a small place like Haddonfield, who's going to be coming and flocking and helping her? Yeah, like, what psychiatrist is coming to save this poor little girl? Or even knows that she needs the help. I find it interesting that he makes all these tableaus with all the bodies. Like, despite the fact that he is supposed to be completely unrelatable, it, it says something to him as a character that he might not understand death and he might not understand any of these things, but he's still, he's still making a point somehow. It's like an art project. Yeah. But why? Exactly. But again, it shows intent. Yeah. It's not just, oh, the bodies just kind of fell where they fell and I just left them there, but he staged everything. So that she would find them in a specific order. It's like he's he's trying to come on to her a little bit, you know? Like, yeah. look at what I did. Oh, great like shot. It? Yep. And she still has a scar on her arm in the new one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. What a subtle... Yep. And now begins the secret. After all of this time, we were like... Okay, what's going on? Now begins the, the sequence where you're like, God damn it, give me two minutes. <laughs> Let up for a second. But it definitely earns it, though. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that she keeps all of her injuries, mm -hmm. which does not happen, I noticed, later in a lot of other horror movies. Mm -hmm. But, like, you can tell that she has every injury that and she see, has. See, once again, trapped her inside. Mm -hmm. Christopher Lee was approached to play Loomis. Yep. Can you imagine that? <laughs> oh, shit. I can imagine how little budget they'd have left after that. Well, that's why he turned it down. They said that it was for the low pay. 
and he then he later said it was the biggest mistake he ever made. Oh yeah, but I still think Donald Pleasance was the best choice. Oh yeah, not He's... only just because he just was that character, but also because he stayed with the franchise. Christopher yeah. Lee would have done this one and never again. Yeah. He's just he has that quiet but calming presence that makes you believe he is who he says he is. And then I also appreciate that everybody thinks it's a prank. Uh-huh. Because it's Halloween. And they send up earlier as, well, this is the this time of year to do that. This is what they do. It just keeps getting better every time I watch it. Like, it really honestly does. I mean, you have to be in the mood for it, definitely. It's not oh, one yeah. of those movies that you just kind of throw on, let's watch Halloween, you know. But just looking at it from, like, an analysis perspective, you can just see all the through lines yeah. just coming to fruition the entire movie. And another thing I'm appreciating this time watching it is how it's so much more meaningful even just like not only is it a pretty movie but like the idea of everyone ignoring kids when they say that they're seeing things or ignoring a young woman when she's screaming why is like why is no one going okay this is a little excessive let me at least go out there and be okay it's time it's not funny let's turn this down like nobody's coming out to help these kids I mean, that's kind of the same thing you were saying with, like, It when you watched It. It's like this whole idea of all of these, a, a community of adults who are completely unaware of what's going on. Well, I mean, that, that's also due to the fact that Pennywise has a control over them. Yeah. But in but still, general, yeah. it's yeah. just like the thieves. The, one that's, the ones that do know about it, like the hypochondriac kid's mom, yeah. just ignore it because if they ignore it, then their kid won't be targeted. But I feel like that's that's a theme that you see a lot in this type of movie. And kind of like what um, Nev Campbell says in the Scream movie mm-hmm. about like the some big-breasted girl running upstairs when she should have gone out the front door. Yep. She still has to get the kids. Yep. So it makes sense why she would not just, okay, I'm out. You know? It gives you a reason. Exactly. And also, she doesn't know that he's targeting specifically her. She thinks yeah. that he's just killing people. Just random people. But... Again, the smart decision, even though she has no it's a smart decision, is to leave because she's leading him away from that. You know what I mean? And of course, a teenage girl would never know that. Now that is a dumb decision. Yes, that that pissed me off the first time we watched it. I was like, I, I've never seen a horror movie, but why the fuck is she dropping the only weapon she has right next to the demented guy who may or may not be totally dead because you didn't walk over to go and check him. See, we were so close to it being almost the perfect movie and then she drops the fucking knife. Stab him seven or eight more times and then you can drop the knife. Well, she's traumatized, so I get why she's not doing that. But see, in my version of traumatized, you stab as many times as you possibly can and then you start screaming your head off. That's what traumatized is. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably the most effective shot of the remake was when he comes at her, throws her off the, the balcony or whatever, and then she wakes up and she shoots him in the face, uh-huh. and she just starts losing it. Oh, like, yeah. That's the, uh, that was the best shot of the entire fucking thing. All the actors wore their own clothes since there was no money for a costume department. Jamie Lee Curtis went to J.C. Penney for Lori's wardrobe. She spent less than $100 for the entire set. That's cool. I didn't know that, so they actually ended up like picking out their own stuff. So that's why everything looks kind of mixed match. Yeah, because that's what a teenager would wear. So, weird thought here. He's wearing a Captain Kirk mask that they modified. Yes. He's breathing like Darth Vader. (laughs) 
So if you ever wanted the Star Trek Star Wars crossover, Michael Myers. And what I love also about this character having, like, the trauma part, what Jamie Lee Curtis was saying, is that it's not like she was a willing victim, like, she just kind of let shit happen to her. She fucking fought the entire time, and it did nothing. Yep. So what, I mean adding trauma upon trauma like not only were you stalked and all of your friends were killed by a guy but you tried to fight your way out and he kept coming back even when you thought it was all over he keeps coming back to you right and i think that's why she's so prepared with like the panic room and the, oh, yeah. and the, the gun and all that kind of stuff but i think that's why her character is the way that she is because she's yeah. like i fought back as hard as i could and, and it, it still nothing. wasn't enough it apparently like you cannot do enough and seriously, what does that what does that say to you, like psychologically, that it doesn't matter how hard you try, you're gonna get fucked no matter what? Yep. So is Michael Myers played by the same guy um, throughout the franchise? Nick, no, 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 that is Nick Castle. Hi, Nick Castle. And he has a sequence in the new one where he oh, plays really? him, but he's not the main. Guy. Oh, that sucks. Well, he's really old. Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, he, he does have a sequence in the new one that he plays. I'm glad, because that, you can't not give him something. And they have a sound alike for Donald Pleasance. Okay. Because he's not alive anymore, right? No, no, no. He's He's been dead for about 20 years. Really? That long? At this point, yeah, I think so. Wow. Into the 90s, early 2000s. I'll look it up here in a sec. I mean, he was already old when he did this. Like, he, he was a British actor for years. He doesn't this. look that old. Mm-mm. Carpenter was intimidated by Pleasant. Well, I would be too. And he's gone. Ugh. The opening POV sequence took two days to film. I believe that. This I love too. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they shot this scene, Donald came to John. He was like, I can play it one of two ways. I can play it, oh my god, he's gone, oh shit. Or I can play it... This is just the beginning? Basically. Like, I knew, I knew that this was going to happen. And... They shot it both ways, and then they decided to go ahead and go with the, oh, of course. Of course this happens. What else would happen? Mm-hmm. Ah, it's so goddamn effective. <laughs> <laughs> this will be in your head for the rest of the night. <laughs> Actually, I think that the... Um, he died in 1995. I was wrong. Nick did all of the um, mask on sequences. Okay. And uh, another guy did his face for okay. the reveal. And I like that they distinguish that too mm-hmm. because it's Michael age 6 which is the kid. Yeah. Michael age 23 which is the reveal. Mm-hmm. And then they have the shape which is the guy with the mask on. Gotcha. It's always something that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's nice that they distinguish that. Yeah. He's been dead for a while. His last Halloween movie came out the year he died. If he was in The Curse of Michael yeah. Meyer. Wow. Which is the worst one in the entire franchise. And I will debate you on this. (laughs) He had three things come out the year he died, and one thing come out the year after he died. Jesus, talk about a guy who keeps working through death. That's insane. So I know that you've only seen the first and the second. I've seen all of them, obviously. Obviously. So, real quick before we start talking about this one, what did you think about the original second movie? That one I felt was really messy. It, I liked some of the, like, the one-on-one sequences, mm-hmm. but I felt like the entire thing overall didn't make a whole lot of sense. And remember that that came out, I believe, in 1981. If you want to double-check me, you can, but I think it was 81. 
and that was a year after Friday the 13th. So they had to compete with the new version of the slasher genre. Yeah, I don't... I mean, it was a while ago that we watched it, but I don't remember being particularly impressed, and I know I didn't like it anywhere near as much as I, I liked this first one. Mm-hmm. I think that Jamie Lee Curtis was doing another movie at the at generally the same time, so they didn't really have her a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's why she was in bed pretty much the entire time, and they focused on all the death scenes. Right. Which, I mean, they had some creative ones, like the the one in the um, hot tub. Yeah. And even though it made absolutely no sense, and they call it out um, in all the commentaries and anything that you, that you hear John Carpenter say about it is the, the lady with the blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. Where she's just, with the IVs in her arm, and it's just... Ugh. Yeah. That was way too much blood. They knew it, and they're like, well... Yeah. It's a horror movie. Whatever. <laughs> and then the um, the infamous scene with the nurse with the clogs. Oh, God. Where he lifts her up. and the, Again, uh-huh. they, they love that. I don't know why they it, love that so hard, but they love the pinning someone to the wall, lifting them up. I, I don't get that. It's cool, and it was very, very effective in this, but they've redone it like five times. I think it's just because it's one of the things that's well known from the franchise. Like, they just felt like they had to keep repeating it. They'll probably repeat it again in the new one. Maybe. We'll see. The second one's okay. Like, I've never really had, like, a very big opinion on that one. Like, that one doesn't really sit well with me, but it doesn't really bother me too much. And if you're going to marathon it, it's best to marathon... The first one, the second one, and um, H2O, which was the original attempt at doing what they're going to be doing with the new sequel. Okay. Where they bring Jamie Lee Curtis back. It's 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a son played by, what's his face? Um, oh my gosh. Like, you should look up that cast, because it has a whole bunch of, like, early, like, preteen, like, teenage stars from, like, the 90s. Which movie? It. Um, it's Halloween H2O. You're going to be surprised by who's in it. 1998. She has short hair. Mm-hmm. She's the headmistress of like a like a high school, like a private high school or a college or something like that. All right. We have Adam Arkin, of course. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, yep. Adam Hanbird. Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. Janet Leigh was in it. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. She had wow. a little cameo. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Yep, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> that was her Cool Jay. And, and he was uh, the, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep, and um, Josh Hartnett was her son, and LL Cool J was the he was the cool cop. Um, yeah, he was the guard. Brandon Williams, Nancy Stevens, Bo Billingsley, Matt Wilson, Larissa Miller. But yeah, so it had some okay, some some names of the nineties. Uh huh. And Michelle Williams, I'm saying this right now, is unrecognizable. Well, no, that's even pre Dawson's <laughs> Creek, I think. Right, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I think Dawson's Creek was what, like 99, 2000? I, I think so, or it was like right when she was doing it. Oh man, but she so, was like, I didn't know that until I looked it up and was like, oh, so that was you. That's a new one. Actually, it was the same, it came out the same year as Dawson's <laughs> Creek did, 1998. <laughs> That's so, so cool. it, it is Dawson's Creek era Michelle Williams. Huh. Well, okay. But like I said, if you're going to marathon them, definitely marathon 1, 2, and H2O. I will show you H2O at some point. It's a decent movie, not a great one. It's very 90s, hmm. like very, very, very 90s. And it looks like, from my perspective in the new one, that they're going to be borrowing a little bit from it. Okay. Which I'm kind of okay with. Like, like, you see the in the trailer where 
they're in the bathroom and he drops the teeth and he starts banging on the door or whatever. That's something similar to kind of what happens in mm-hmm. H2O. It's not as intense, obviously, but there is that sequence kind of involved. But the fourth and the fifth one both had Danielle Harris in it. Okay. And she was uh, Annie in the remake. Oh. I showed you the end of the remake, right? I yeah, didn't show you just you showed me like the highlights from it, I think. She was supposed to come back for six, and I actually just saw a interview with her. They did, like, a, it's on YouTube. You can find it. I'm not sure what it's called, but it, I think it's, like, a documentary about the, the, ho- the Halloween sequels as a whole. Uh-huh. But it's mostly just four through six, and then they kind of end it there. But she even said that she was supposed to come back, and they told her that she was supposed to come back. What happened was that they released a casting notice for other people, uh-huh. and then she went to the producer of the movie... And said, I would like to do it because it's my character and I'm old enough to play that character. She was 17 at the time Mm -hmm. and they needed an 18-year-old actress because of what they wanted to happen in the movie. And so they told her that, okay, we want you back. But if you want to do it, what you need to do is you need to, what is it, where um, somebody liberates themselves from their parents. Oh, she has to, um, she becomes an independent minor. Yeah. So she had to do that in order to meet the age requirement mm-hmm. so she did all of that she paid all the money she paid all she did all the paperwork and stuff like that and then when she signed on to the movie they told her that well you're not in enough scenes so we're just gonna pay you scale oh fuck that, that and, and they would sucks. not negotiate with her so she was like well i just did all that work and paid all that money for nothing that's insane yep so number six is a complete and total like bullshit like it's awful mm. it's just terrible it has paul rudd in it yeah paul rudd but he's playing like this weird offbeat character like he's basically playing like the weird version of the character he plays in clueless he like if you just made him even more weird but four and five are pretty decent four is the better of those two because the director i forget his name i'm sorry had an actual vision for what he wanted to do right and they pretty much accomplished it. And then the fifth one, they just went in a weird direction. Like, the fourth one ends in a very odd place. And they didn't want to follow up on it the way that they should have followed up on it. So they kind of had to do, like, a whole different reskin of the franchise at that mm-hmm. point. Because in the fourth one, you learn that Lori has a daughter, but Lori is dead. Okay. So that's why I said that if you're going to marathon, then marathon 1, 2, and H2O because they have the most concise continuity to them. Because if you throw 4 into the mix, you're going to be confused because she's supposed to have died at this point. (laughs) And it's weird to watch 1, 2, 4, 5, and then H2O because then it just looks like she abandoned her kid and then her kid got trying to get slaughtered by her uncle. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's just, it, it does not look good for Jamie Lee Curtis if you watch those in tandem with the other ones. So they're kind of their own separate thing. But definitely, when we continue watching the, the franchise, I will show you four. Okay. And I will definitely show you H2O. And then I will explain to you, after you watch four, what <laughs> five is. And if you're interested, we will watch that too. Okay. But I don't think you will be. Well, we have so many horror movies at this point that you still need to show me. Well, I got all of, like, the basic ones down, except for, like, one or two. 
and then now we're jumping into the sequels and trying to do like the little known smaller things that I just kind of come across in my vast VHS collection that <laughs> I'm never going to get my money back out of. <laughs> so let's finish talking about Halloween real yes. fast and then I wanted to branch the conversation out a little bit before we, we wrap up for today. Mm -hmm. So for me, second viewing, I still like it as much as the first time. I think this is probably one of my favorite horror movies that you've shown me. I would say maybe like top five. I wouldn't say top three, but definitely top five. Why not? I think that I found that while I appreciate how it's built, it does kind of lag a little bit for me. Like it's a driving lag, but it does lag. And if I'm going to watch a horror movie, if I'm going to do it, you're gonna make me. If you're gonna make me, <laughs> then I'd rather have a little bit more going on. Like I'd rather either the tension to be higher, or I would rather other things be like pushing me forward. Whereas with this, it's just like it keeps you tense the entire time, and it's really damn good. But it's still kind of like, all right, we're walking for a full two minutes, and that's what this movie is. Again, nothing wrong with it. That's why it, it's brilliant for what it is. It's just not like. It's not something that I want to watch repeatedly. Well, that was a big deal is like the tracking shots. That's why the opening sequence is, is so revered mm -hmm. is because for an independent movie in 1978 to have the technology and the budget to make those shots work, it, 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 was, it was unheard of at that point because all of the big, you know, big money studios were doing that. And it was just like, oh, well, that's the thing that you don't get to have. Right. So the fact that not only they they created one of the, the best sequences, which is the, the beginning with the kid or whatever, oh, yeah. and they also continue to use it throughout, that's just, it's mind-blowing to, mm -hmm. like, historically with film, I guess you could say. It's a, it's a big deal from a film knowledge perspective. This time, watching it, well, first of all, I felt like I could appreciate it a little bit more this time, having a bit more of an idea of what the genre of horror is. Um, whereas, you know, the first time I watched it, I was just like, what the hell is happening? There's there's so much going on. What's going on? But I feel like I, I was able to respect more of the killer standpoint and, like, the, the whole idea of the movie. Whereas before, I just like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? I really saw the lighting a lot more in this one. I loved the how natural it was. Like, you never felt like this the shots were being lit from the light coming in through the window panes to the lens flares from the sun as the sunset. Like I liked the way everything felt in the moment and you weren't you weren't taken out of the location or anything by the way that it was filmed or by the way that it was lit. Like it just I, I really respected the way it kept you in that story and in that place and time. So what would be in your top three? Like, you don't have to tell me your top three, but, like, what would oh. be, like, an example of one that's in the top three? I would have to think about it. The Conjuring, I really, 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 the original Conjuring. Mm -hmm. I really liked The Conjuring. I know that it's controversial. I really liked The Witch, because you know me and puritanical witch lore, so I, I, I know that not, not a lot of people liked it, but I really liked it for what it was. I can't remember the name of the movie now, but it was the one about, it was something about like Yellow Brick Road. Oh, okay. Well, in the woods with the... Yeah, where they went to go find all the people who were going missing, and every time you left this one town... In the 40s, these people, and by the way, 
please, for the love of God, find Yellow Brick Road and watch it. It's 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 wonderful until the last five minutes. The last five minutes. It are got a bit really, shit. really, really weird at the end. So plug for Yellow Brick Road for the love of God. It used to be on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. I don't think it is either. But back in the forties, during like the Depression era, this town walked off into the woods and was never heard from again. And it's like this big Roanoke kind of conspiracy type of a deal. So these researchers come in and they follow the same path that these people would have taken through the woods and then crazy shit ensues. Can't recommend Yellow Brick Road enough. I, I, that's one that it I was, haven't seen in a while. Yeah, it just, I, I, don't, I don't remember a ton about it, obviously, because it's been a few years, but I remember being like profoundly affected by it. And it just, it sticks with you and it it made you think about it too. So I think that one is in there somewhere. Oh, what's another one? Well, okay, Texas Chainsaw, while I hate it and I never ever want to watch it again. Which we will watch it again. <laughs> we will watch it again at some point. It was extremely effective. And even though I didn't like it, because Destry, you always talk about how there's like several different types of horror movies. There's the, the kind that makes you feel and the kind that makes you react. And I'm not a big fan of the kind that make you feel <laughs> because it that's that's a little bit too much. Like I'm already a very anxious person who can't get imagery out of my head. And that's a movie that to this day, there's imagery from Texas Chainsaw that I will never be able to scrub from my brain because it it is so effective. So I respect it and I understand why other people like it. That's just not what I want in my brain though. Oh, I could watch that movie behind my eyes. Like, I've seen that so many damn times. Can't like, do it. You could literally, like, face me away from the screen and I could tell you exactly what was happening in every single shot. Like, I just, that is definitely one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And it's kind of, it's kind of sad a little bit because Toby Hooper, I don't know if he's still alive or not. Can you check that for me? I, I think he is, but he might have just passed away. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. It might have just been Gunnar Hansen that just passed away. I think was he was Gunner, but... Really, really, really love Texas Chainsaw. And he never really made another really good movie like that. That sucks. The one 2017, he, you were right. He I, died last year. I could have sworn he just passed away, yeah. But the one he made after that was interesting. It was like this weird kind of Bayou movie. Okay. Yeah, I forget what it's called. It was interesting. It wasn't good. It was just interesting. But after that, he just, he never really got back to it, you know? So why of all of the movies, because you've watched pretty much all of the horror movies, including a lot of foreign ones, why of all of the movies is Texas Chainsaw the one that, like, sticks with you and, like, because we've discussed in detail about why you like horror movies and how it's because you feel that fear is something that everyone can understand because it's something that's so ingrained in just humans and animals. Like, it's something that's a universal feeling. But why Texas Chainsaw? The main reason why I had you watch it as one of the first ones is because I think that it does well to be one of the first ones that you watch. It's not so much a good introduction, because I agree with you that it's it's a bit much. It's a little hard. <laughs> yeah, but I would I would never change my decision to show it to someone who's never seen like any. I had never seen a horror movie before I watched those two movies with you. I had never seen anything. But I would still do that just because it just it finds a way. And I don't know how, and it's probably never going to be recreated, which is why I think the rest of his career was kind of underwhelming to me. Because, I mean, he made some decent movies. Like, don't get me wrong, is that he's a very good director. 
well, excuse me, he was a very good director. God rest his soul. Yeah. But it just, it has a way of crawling under your skin and affecting you in a way that I don't think that a lot of other movies... Any genre. Any genre of movie. Because it's just so visceral Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think that a lot of movies are. It makes you kind of live inside of the space that it inhabits. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's hard to describe for me because I just have like a blind devotion to it. It's such a personal feeling. And it's one of those kind of movies that you I just can never get enough information about. Like it's one of those kind of movies that I want to have experienced firsthand it being made. I'll put it this way, and this is a very weird simile. To me, Texas Chainsaw is the way that Lord of the Rings is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Where they're just so enamored with the way that it was made and the technology and, and the thought behind it and all of these things that it just it enamors you into wanting to have experienced that entire situation. Well, I think it also says a lot about you as an artist because, I mean, something that you said before to me is that you you want to create things that make people feel in a way that nothing else can. And I think maybe that's kind of what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you want to make other people feel the way you felt when you watched Texas Chainsaw and became just amazed by everything that you were being forced to feel kind of against your will, (laughs) but in an amazing way because of every single, like, because I agree with you as much as I I dislike it, every single moment and the, but that's the thing. The reason I dislike it is the reason it's good. Every single second is extremely effective. It, It punches you. Every little bit of it keeps you completely just wanting to vomit in your mouth. Because it, it's all, you can feel every crush and you can feel as they're trying to get away. You can, you're breathing in that, that terror and every slice and hook and everything. Like you feel it all because of the way it's shot and the way they, they really give that time to, to let things set in. So, I mean, I can respect that. I might not, I might not really get it. Like, why would you want to do that to yourself? <laughs> but fair enough. I will never forget my first viewing of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I won't forget it. That That's something I remember a lot of very specific details from watching it. And I don't think that it's saying anything bad about the movie. But once you've seen a consistent amount of horror movies, you kind of get a little bit numb to it. Oh, yeah. Because, like, there's only so many times you can see blood spurting out of someone... Final Destination (laughs) Syndrome, I guess. So, if you watch it down the line instead of right at the beginning, I don't think that you're really giving the movie a chance to do what it's supposed to do. That's fair. And so that's why I I would never change the way that I would present that to somebody, because Halloween is definitely a a very good, like, this is what a horror movie is. Or Mm -hmm. at least this is what a horror movie should be. Right. And I still agree with that, especially after watching it again this time. The decisions that are made are not made from a place that, well, I'm just stupid and I'm just going to go do a thing that I know is going to probably end badly. It's just they're using the information that they have in the moment and they're just doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And sometimes that's how life kind of just is. Mm -hmm. Like you don't listen to your gut feeling. You don't listen to the voice in your head saying, get out, get out, get out. 
and then something bad really, really does happen. So it, it's realistic to me. Like, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of decisions in the movie that... It's not contrived. Yeah, no. And as far as Texas Chainsaw is concerned, them side by side is jarring as hell, especially... Oh, it's, they're so different. Well, also, you're going from 1978 to 1974, and the technology difference and just everything about Texas Chainsaw is so much more primitive, which I think is also a, a thing in its favor. Oh, no, it, it, I think it definitely adds to the movie, because the movie is set in such like a primitive place, too, that it, it feels right. So I would definitely put a, a separation in there, but I think that you're just never going to forget how you feel oh, during yeah. that, and then when you watch other movies, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, you measure it up. You watch Halloween so that you critically and from an analysis standpoint can say that was stupid or that was intentional like mm -hmm. you can actually sit there and critically analyze any other horror movie that you come across but with texas chainsaw it's the opposite where this is how it should make you feel mm -hmm. and if you're not feeling at least a small portion of that yeah. it's not a good movie well and i was i was thinking about it while we were talking about that and really the only movie that i would put in the same category, like, even in the same category as Texas Chainsaw, because I feel like it kind of belongs over there by itself, but, like, even in the same vicinity of it would be The Ruins. That's exactly what I was going to say. That, like, that's the only movie that I can, when, when we watched it and I was looking at it and I was like, that, it, it came, it, it wasn't quite the same, no, no, no. but it gives you a taste of, like, the, just the abject, like, vomit-inducing horror of everything going on because you feel every single second of it. Also can't recommend The Ruins enough. No, you, you can. Don't watch it. <laughs> don't, don't watch it. Don't read the book. Oh, man. But just, it's really good. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, killer plants aside, they make it work. It, it, no, they it's don't. It's really good. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's basically where I'm on that with with that whole situation is that when you put those two together and you're watching a movie and you're thinking about it critically and you're feeling it that's what you should be looking for it's about being aware i'm not big like i said before on the horror genre or even on being scared that often just because i have i have an interesting response because i'm very empathic and extremely empathetic um and things tend to stick with me more than they really should so whenever I watch a horror movie I know that this is going to be something that I'm going to be thinking about for a couple days case in point when I was a kid I watched a tale of two cities done by wishbone the most brilliant show ever in the history of time I had nightmares for literal years about this so if that doesn't tell you something about me nothing else will but I, I appreciate having the chance to kind of look at these movies more from a film perspective and kind of like, why other people like them. But yeah, so Halloween definitely still holds up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, this is, like I said, definitely still in my top five. And I think that that's a barrier for a lot of people, especially with Texas Chainsaw, is that it's just so old. Like, yeah. It's just, it's very, very old. I mean, the same, you can, you can say the same thing about Black Christmas. Oh, yeah. Just the filming of it, it makes you, it, it's, it's almost as if, it's one of those terrible black and white movies from the 50s. It just looks like a B-movie, and then you just write it off. Halloween was really the the first movie to look mainstream. It basically added legitimacy to the horror genre. I would definitely agree with that. And I think that from that point on, 
to me personally, I think that horror had a like a duty mm-hmm. to its audience from that point on. From the beginning of film, there's always been horror movies, and I think that we we look back fondly at like the Dracula and the the Frankenstein of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, but that's like from a film historical perspective, like we're just amazed that that even exists. Yeah. You know? But from that point forward, horror sort of became this, like, ha ha ha, we're gonna go have sex at the drive-in, and we're gonna hear a bunch of people carrying on, and ooh, there's blood and gore, and you know, whatever. And it was fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that when Halloween came out, it gave, like you said, a legitimacy to the the film genre, mm-hmm. and kind of gave it a little bit more art. So from that point on... They weren't just make-out movies anymore. Yeah, like they're actually a real thing that people pay real money to experience and see. And not just teenagers. Right, and I think that a lot of, especially horror fanatic people, get very, very upset and engaged with the, the horror movie community because they go see something and the people that put the effort into it didn't put a whole lot of effort into it and just made this crappy little B-movie and that doesn't work nowadays. Sometimes it's cool, but when you have these big studios, because horror movies are big business right now, especially with It and all the Stephen King revival and everything. So when you go to a movie and you pay your $11 and they gave you nothing and they treated you like it was the lower of all the art forms and that they just cobble something together, it's insulting. And I think that the reason why I would show this to, like this would be the first movie that I would show to anybody who has never seen a horror movie or has never seen a good one, is because it makes you believe that the horror genre can do something. It makes you rethink it, yeah. And it can do it well. You're right, I was definitely thinking like, oh, it's gonna be, there's gonna be blood spurting everywhere and there's zombies and, bad makeup and really bad effects. I wasn't expecting this movie when you said, let's go watch a horror movie. Yes, it was freaky and there was stabbiness, but it was an actual good movie too. It's not to say that this is the the first movie that ever gave any kind of legitimacy to the genre. I think Psycho. Oh yes, Psycho. I think... And I would put this in the same category as Psycho, that psychological, like keeps you engaged type of thing. And even, like, Night of the Living Dead, the original by Romero, who is also dead, which is also sad. But I think that this helped combine that with the drive-in sensibility of the yeah. rest of them. Because, you know, you watch Psycho and it's a bunch of old people. That's true. And you watch Night of the Living Dead and it's, it's, it's social commentary, plus it's black and white. I mean, both of them are in black and white. So, it, you know, you still kind of feel like the, oh, that's just old. But with this one, it's like it got the butts in the seats because not only was it a legitimately good horror movie and it set a precedence for the genre going forward, but also it's teenagers watching teenagers. And boobs. So why would you not go to this? Mm-hmm. And so when you go to it and it reels you in the fact that, oh, well, this is this is me. Mm-hmm. This is us. This is our culture. It something comes relevant again. And then you go in, you're like, oh, that was actually a good movie. And it's not just a whole bunch of tits and gore and blood everywhere. Oh, then everybody's like, oh. So I came into the theater expecting a bunch of bullshit, and I came out actually enjoying myself. And I think that that's what Halloween still does and, and I think will continue to do. I don't think that it's really dated at all, honestly. 
I mean, a little bit, but only the technology they use and yeah. stuff like that. But it's still like it's still just as effective, though. But I mean, maybe to this new, 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 like past the two thousands generation, it would be like that's an oldie, you know? Yeah. To the person who grew up in the nineties with the, the still kind of odd fashions and yeah. the shoulder pads and the landline phones and the to me, it's just kind of like that was just a place in time, and I think that it's a good, it's a time capsule. And it's not really dated. Yeah, it's not really a period piece. Yeah. It's But I agree, time capsule. It's more about, wow, that was 1978. Definitely Halloween is 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 going to remain, I think, one of... A classic. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just one of the best. And I don't think that any amount of time between 1978 and any point in time after that, it's, it's going to change that. It's not going to diminish it. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what they're going to be doing for the new one. I just hope, and this is my biggest hope, is that, well, two biggest hopes. Number one is that the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis decided to come back after all these years means something. Yep. Like, I really want that to mean something, and I hope that it does. And the way that she's been talking about it, and the way that she's been approaching the character of Lori in the new one, sounds like she's serious about it. And I don't mm-hmm. think that she would have signed on unless it was going to actually be effective in some way so that's one of my hopes i hope that they don't just misuse her just because oh she was in the original but then number two and more importantly and this is a thing that i didn't even think about until we were watching this is that i really hope that they give that slow burn another shot yeah it doesn't need to be as slow as this and i think that that would be a, a, a major negative to the film's credit if it was as slow as this especially in 2018 but I don't want it to just be a whole bunch of shit flying in your face. Like, I need some shot composition. We need some air. We need some atmosphere involved. Mm-hmm. And if it's just going to be a scene to scene to scene to scene to scene, and he's killing people and this and that and whatever, and we never get a chance to kind of exist in the world, that's going to be a, a major negative for me. So if both of those are met, or at least one of those are met. I should be happy. I don't think that it's going to be bad, but the level of of good it's going to be is going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, very dependent. Do you have any thoughts about the, the new one? I mean, I'm just excited, like you were saying, to see how Jamie Lee Curtis, because I feel like, I feel that she wouldn't have come back unless it was something that she felt strongly about unless she felt like it was going to be doing the character some justice. So I'm I'm excited to see how she takes on this character again and how she uh, she pays homage to that little girl crying at the end of the movie. But I'm, I don't know, I'm keeping my mind pretty much open. I don't, I don't have too many expectations for it. I'm just I'm I'm excited to see what what they do with it. But definitely definitely watch the original before you go and see it. Oh yeah. It is a direct sequel. I think that they've done a pretty good job in their campaign about saying that, but I just want to reiterate for all the people who just don't want to listen, she's not his sister. (laughs) Danielle Harris never existed. Josh Hartnett never existed. She doesn't have those children. She has different children. She still isn't Haddonfield. It's a whole new ballgame. And as long as you keep that in mind, 
You should be good. Yeah, you should be good. But definitely, definitely check out Halloween if you haven't. I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't. I cannot recommend it enough. It is definitely a a must-see for anybody who is at least vaguely interested in watching horror movies in any capacity. And even if you don't like horror movies, it's a good one for you because you can look away during the stabby bits. Very, very slow which might turn people off, especially in 2018. Make a drinking game. Every time there's a tracking shot, chug until it's over. <laughs> Every time that uh, Linda says totally. Totally. <laughs> so we've got some more stuff coming up for you soon. We'll be doing Halloween, our talk back from the, the, the new Halloween. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be this, and then I think maybe our Halloween haunt talk Okay. for Kings Island, and then the the talk back for the new one. But yeah, so uh, once again, we are the Practical Idealists. This is Destry. And this is Katie. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. Yep, Idealists underscore the. And on Instagram, at the Practical Idealists. It's a picture of the two of us wearing masks, funnily enough. So uh, happy Halloween, and thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.